0: Welcome to the latest episode of The Player's Voice, where this week we were joined by Derry's Connor Glass. My name is Alan O'Mara. I'm the host of this podcast, a former Cavan goalkeeper, and a mental performance coach with sports and business leaders around the world. During this conversation, Connor reflects on lessons learned from his experience as a professional athlete in the AFL. He talks about how working with a sports psychologist helped to improve both his performances and mental health. The Glen Clubman also talks about how Derry have rebuilt confidence and a winning mentality in recent years he chats about how much he loves being part of his home community again and the challenge of balancing life as a cafe owner a student and an intercounty footballer a quick reminder that the Players Voice podcast is brought to you by the Gellic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this powerful conversation Connor Glass, you're very welcome to The Player's Voice. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks very much, Alan. Uh, pleasure to be here and yeah, looking forward to the next hour or so. Yeah, definitely. Delighted to have you on. Looking forward to getting your your insight and perspective. And I know as I've d- kind of dug into your own journey and your own experience, you've had you've had quite an interesting journey, to be fair. And with that in mind, maybe we'll jump all the way back to you basically left secondary school and jumped straight to Australia to go as a professional sportsman, take a contract to go to Australia to play in the NFL. So um, when you look back on that time now, like what was that like to go straight from school ultimately to, to move into a country on the other side of the world and kind of up and, and I'm sure some of it was chasing your dream, but it must have been a whole mixed bag of a lot of stuff, was it? Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Um, you do take time to reflect on it a bit now. Uh, obviously, different memories come up on your phone. Um, and just different pictures and stuff in that lifestyle. Um, but I uh, looking back on it now, jeez, it was unbelievable. Like I was 17, 18 year old, uh, years old, like just finishing up my, my A-levels and then flying out to play professional football in Australia. Um, many of people were just going straight into university to probably drink for the next six to eight months, whereas I was kind of on a strict strict diet and a strict sort of regime. Um, but no, I was honestly one of the the best times of my life, um, those sort of years. Yes, it was challenging being away from home, being away from my parents and all that sort of things that come with it. But, like, any sports person's dreams to play professional football and I was living out that dream as an 18-year-old, like.
0: Yeah, so do you look back at those earlier years, Like, say even the first year in particular with, like, a fondness of that kind of surge of energy and that like kind of what well, it sounds like just that opportunity to chase a dream and to be a professional sportsman to wake up every morning and, and work out and go train and that kind of lifestyle I'm sure you'd obviously had success in being involved with dairy miners and, and at schools level as well but then to probably jump straight to the full professional lifestyle while still a teenager like was, was there part of you that I like, couldn't even believe that that's what you were getting to do with your life?
1: Yeah uh, there was a sense of innocence about it like um because you are so young, you don't really know what to expect or what sort of comes with it. Like I was just there to play football and like I trained whatever it was throughout the day and trained five times a week, um, had a lot of spare time in my hands. So I kind of dived into university a bit to, to kind of just help further, um, I guess, my education because one thing I knew was like, well, my parents kind of installed me and instilled that in me from a young age was your football career could last, two weeks like so could last two years like could last 20 years um so I always had that backup as well so I wasn't stupid in the way I was going out I was like I'm just out here to enjoy it like I knew it was a business at the end of the day and it was my job um but yeah you do have that innocence about you like this is unbelievable like you're just rocking up the train you're you're thinking you're like a a Premier League star if that makes sense an 18 year old like so it's, it's pretty cool
0: no, it and I can even look, I can even see the smile on your face there as you kind of think about that, like, you know, the innocence of the start and that adventure. And then, like, I suppose, if doesn't know, you spent five years there with the Hawthorne Hawks, right? And I suppose, like, I, I'm curious, kind of, so you you go as, like, a young cub. You're away from home. You're in this new world, this new lifestyle. You're committing to it. Um, When you look back now and you said taking some time to reflect, like, how do you feel, like, what did that time away from home and that kind of, part of your development is like honestly a boy becoming a man as well like what did you learn about yourself and what did that experience kind of teach you um when you reflect back on it now uh I
1: had to grow up really quickly um and I knew that um when I was probably a bit younger say 14 15 16 like I was I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a loose cannon like a lot of energy um but when I started to become under a public eye a bit I had to kind of reel that in to a certain degree um, so I, I grew up very quickly, even before I left when I was like 17, 18, finishing up in school and I was I was a role model at that young age too, um, within my small community here, which you don't really set out to be a role model, to be honest, when you're striving just to be the best player you can be. Um, so I did grow up really early, uh, really quickly, sorry. Um, being out there, um, you're surrounded by professional athletes. Like they're just as good as you in every way. Um, you'll have boys that are fitter than you, or, or stronger than you, or smarter than you to a certain degree. So it's it's getting the best out of you and taking the opportunity when it comes. Um, so that was one thing for me was once an opportunity does come around, like I'm going to grasp it with two hands. Um, if not, then I'll accept that um, and I'll build resilience for me. One thing that I felt like I had in Oz was resilience. Um, a lot of things didn't go my way. Like I just, it's just everyone has a different journey. Like I had opportunities, like I had pl- more than enough opportunities to cement my spot in the, in the 22 um, performance. I just didn't perform some days and I've come to accept that. Um, I've always said I have no regrets coming home. I have no regrets from what I've done out there. So it is that resilience and um, accepting that, yes, everything doesn't really go your way, but it's kind of leading me down a different path for a certain reason. Yeah, like
0: it's such a, it's almost such like, like it's, what's the right way to say this? Like it's such a, interesting challenge to go from being like I suppose on one level like you're coming from Derry where you're kind of like somewhat of a big fish in a small pond being a role model in your school or in your community um, like athletically the most, probably one of the most gifted, talented around and then like to up yourself and then you get dropped into a whole other world where they're, they've been hoovering up all the best people from multiple ages there's adults there's kids uh, who've been playing a sport since they were like that's their you know national game so like, there's got to have been, there's got to have been challenges to that in, as well in terms of just your own identity and confidence and trying to adjust to kind of a new pecking order and a new kind of rank in terms of the group and then trying to like navigate and climb that. Because I think you said earlier at the start too, of like it's a business and like if you're not performing and if you're not making the progress at a quick enough level or certainly a consistent enough level, you kind of know at the back of your head, you can get kind of chopped at any time as well,
1: right? Mm, yeah. And it can actually, funny you said about the small fish. Um, one of my first Instagram posts when I was out there was small fish in a big pond, um, which I knew I was like, I had came from the top from, I guess, at my level here at Gaelic to being thrown into the deep end with, as you said, all ages, the best of the best in that sport. And here's me with two, two years experience of just kicking the ball by myself. Um, but I relished that, to be honest. I was like, jeez, I want to like, fuck, I want to prove these people wrong. Um, and that's, that was my personality. And that's why a lot of those are successful out there is that, yes, they might not have had the, the background growing up, but they just have that steadiness and that mindset is like, right, I'm just going to prove these people wrong and I'm going to be the best out here. Um, and that's, it, that was my mindset growing out. Um, and it, it definitely put me in good, it steered me in a good direction, uh, in terms of, Put me up the ranks with the coaches uh and even the players too they, they seen that they seem that he's not just here for a bit of crack or um and I'm not just here to make up the numbers Like he's here to 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 get into the first team and, and and I feel like I had that in the first couple of years
0: yeah definitely like and I think it's like it's interesting getting that insight into like your mentality and mindset and almost you know backs to the wall and having a point to prove it sounds like something that that's what you were comfortable with and almost like fully embraced in terms of pushing yourself no doubt mentally physically um, tactically tactically all the and kind of across all the pillars of performance and I suppose on one strand I'm curious like as you're pushing your, yourself and wanting to show the best of yourself and progress what are you learning then from being I suppose in that high performance culture from coming from like an amateur game where you've played really like at that point up just underage and developmental like age groups, obviously competitive by all means, but then to be, you know, ultimately a kid then that's trying to soak up and adjust to high performance lifestyles, cultures, like definitely curious as to kind of what lessons you kind of garnered in that window. Maybe it's a few things that you brought home with you, but I definitely love to get your take and kind of insight on that. Yeah.
1: Um, it was quite different because I didn't really know anybody out there too. Like I was going into a whole different community. Um, like a lot of the players that get drafted, they might have played together for a couple of years or they might know someone or they went to school with somebody to a certain degree. So not having that connection with anyone. Um, yes, Connor Nash came six months after I did, which massively helped me. Um, but I was surrounding myself with people that I could trust and people that had my best interest. And... Um, there was a fella, Liam Shields, he had an Irish background. His fella, his dad's from Donegal um, and I lived with him for the first couple of months. So, and he is one of the, the, and he's part of the leadership group at that time. So I kind of just surrounded myself with people who had been there, who had done that, who had all the good habits um, and just soaked up as much information as possible. And yes, I had a single mindset to, for myself. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna be better than all these people. But you need to have that knowledge and gain them sort of experiences from those players, um, and not only the players. Our head of recruitment, Mark McKenzie, who I'd say drafted me. Um, he I ever worked with. i worked with him from as 15 years old, um, and he was he was kind of working in the offices. So any opportunity I got to text him to say let's do extras so or let's go outside. Me. Yes, I was helping me benefit, but seeing me benefit was helping him because he was the one who put his trust in me to get me drafted. Um, so doing all those three sort of things. Um Yeah, surrounding myself by good people that could help me along the way too. I guess that's the sort of thing that I've brought home, not brought home, but seeing in myself the last couple of years was trying to help. Like I, if you asked anyone in the dairy team, like I don't hang about with one particular group. Like I surround myself with the younger boys, the older boys, and I guess that's just my personality to, I've been there and experienced a young person coming into a different team, trying to do as much as possible to, to get into that starting team. So I've had those experiences and any time I can try to pass that on to, I guess, the likes of Matthew Downey or Lachlan Murray, um, like I'll do that. Yeah, it's definitely, like it's a huge learning. It's a huge learning to take. And I think
0: like particularly say in inter-county squads, like, Yes, there's a squad every every year where there's const, there's constantly different transitions that are happening. You know, there's maybe minors under twenties that are coming into the senior squad for the first time. There's maybe maybe a guy in his young twenties trying to become to make the twenty six or trying to make the starting team. Then there's people that are on the tail end of it, maybe on the way trying to phase their lives out. So there's there's lots of transitions going on, and in some ways, in your early, by like your late teens, early twenties, like you got to go through like a mini career almost in the AFL of rookie introduction, first team, and then making decision to kind of exit and to come home. And kind of before I come to kind of that decision, I definitely, you mentioned kind of soaking, like surround yourself with good people and soaking them up. And it sounds like mentally you're in somewhat of a sponge mode of just gotta gotta learn as much as i can as quick as i can and definitely would just kind of interesting if there was any more of those like those kind of key learnings that you learned that maybe you brought home or that when you did get home you were like no this is two or three like really important things that my experience
1: taught me that i want to carry forward and use yeah um yeah one thing with irish players out there is the learning curve is so steep Whereas obviously you get your Aussie roles, or even thinking of the now, uh, put it in Gaelic context, your inter-county players, like yes, you might try get better each year, but like it's increment, it's small, sort of gets 1%, 2% gains. Um, but over there Irish players go into a different sport, like their learning curve, they're learning 30% more than the Aussie boys. So yes, you might be behind, but your progress is 10 times faster. Um, so that's one thing as you said yes it was a sponge but that was I used that to my advantage um, because the coaches loved it as well Um, I guess um, to answer your question there's no real other things that like it's it's quite hard to kind of put into words like if you see a situation and you have that experience in that situation you can act on it but until that sort of situation happens it's kind of hard to describe if that makes sense no, it does. I get you. Like, I think what you're saying is that like,
0: obviously like the learning the learning curve is fast and steep, but also your perspective is widening quicker as well in terms of what you're kind of dealing with and, and facing with. And that definitely does give you a lot of experience to kind of put in the tank and bring home and it's lived experience and, you know, when we talk about like confidence we talk about resilience like a lot of that has to happen through experience yeah. um and getting yourself put into different situations and you did mention resilience earlier on and stuff not working like I was curious, um I know in a previous interview, you talked about the importance of resilience and mental toughness and what you learned about yourself at that time, and I think you're also you mentioned like working with the club psychologist and how beneficial that was for you, and I was just kind of curious as to you reflect on that in terms of your own resilience. I'm talking now as a person, that kind of mental toughness that you have, kind of how you found developing that and piecing that together and i I come at it from the perspective of a lot of the times people will think you know that person's very resilient or that person's mentally tough, but I think you acknowledge that it's a it's a skill and it's something we can develop and that you developed as well. And I would just love to hear your kind of insight and perspective on on growing those things and developing those things for yourself. Yeah,
1: um, it's so, it is something you ha- you have to practice. Um, at At the beginning, I didn't deal with it great. Like I kept it all in. Um, the worse I felt, the harder I tried on the pitch, and that wasn't the way to deal with it. Um, I wasn't performing on game day but I was training the best on the training pitch throughout the week um, and then when it came to game day like I wasn't I wasn't playing well uh, I wasn't, wasn't playing to my standards and I guess that was my downfall was at all these high standards of Gaelic whereas the top player the whole time whereas in Oz, like as I said you're playing with the best of the best um, boys who have played there 10-20 years um, so to kind of find that, yes, it's not always going to go my way on every certain day, but it's a part of my learning. Um, I didn't deal with a psychologist for the first couple of years um, because, to be honest, my first couple of years were just unbelievable. Like, I didn't really have a setback, to be honest. Um, no injuries, got in the first team after whatever it was, nearly a year, just less than a year maybe. Um, had a really good preseason. Um, it really only started to happen after my third, fourth year, uh, where I, when I got dropped from the team due to performance issues. Um and then I started dealing with the psychologist and I was I was just getting on my head too much, like I was overthinking everything. Trying to get too much information from coaches where I just just played on instinct a lot of the time. Like I was getting too I was becoming like a robot. Um, and a lot of Gaelic players are like that at the moment, like they think you should predict absolutely everything. Whereas you can't, and you need to back your instincts to a certain degree. Um, so I was I was finding those methods to to deal with that. Like you have to, as I said before, you have to experience things and to know how to deal with them when it comes to the next time it arises. Um, and I did that, and I worked with, as I said, I worked with a psychologist. And one thing that sticks in my mind is, uh, it's like your mental health is like a, it's like a whole. Um, the further you dig, the further you, you dig and just keep it in, it's harder to get out of. But if you, if you recognize it when it's not too deep, like you can get out of it very quickly. Um, and that's one thing I kind of instilled in my mind when I did find hard times. Um, I remember this one time when the team had a victory against Collingwood. Great, great match, great match. Didn't have my best personal game. Uh, we were in the change room having beers after the game. And all I wanted to do was just leave. Like I just felt embarrassed. Gotcha. And then we were in the the club the next day, and I just I didn't want to be there. Like um, I, was th- I was I was in my own head, thinking these these players, like these players hit me. Like um, like I could have lost them the game. Like they don't want to see me. But like when I got to the club, like it was just they're a hundred percent. So it's me getting in my own head, um, and then. Just finding ways to deal with that like surround yourself as i said surround yourself with people that have your best interests and having those group players um so yeah there's i could name me multiple situations where you do um but yeah the experiences are the ones that sort of help me throughout the way, throughout the way.
0: no and i think what you shared there connor and i appreciate you sharing it because like it's such a powerful example of you know how easily we can get in our own heads and then also things we tell ourselves aren't always true. Um, in terms of like your own identity and your own, like your own self esteem and. The other thing that kind of jumped out at me there, and again, I'll throw it back to you to kind of make sure I'm picking it up right, is that like at that point in your life, Connor, like your athletic identity and kind of how you perceived your performances on the field sounds like it was driving how you judged and talked to yourself and felt more or less on a day-to-day. So for like Connor Glass to be feeling good as a person was almost entirely dependent on what you were doing on the field and performance wise and it, I suppose if, if that's true is that like something you learned then to kind of try and break those two apart and learning to appreciate self and kind of who you are as well as obviously still doing all the work and still committing to
1: your profession or sport the way you, you are? Yeah I, I didn't probably I didn't deal with that until I probably came home to be honest um, I perceived it as I was a professional footballer so that is my identity so it was hard to get it, get away with that whereas in Gaelic now it's it's technically a hobby and you're playing for the, for the love of it. like yes a lot of people might perceive me as this Gaelic player for Derry but like I'm a lot more than that and I've probably only come to realize that sense of self as you're talking about over the last couple of years. Um, do I wish I had it back then? Absolutely. Um, I would have only benefited me but um, uh, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, as I said, like those experiences help, have helped me now. Um, but yeah, absolutely, I've been a lot better with that the last couple of years, and it has been, it, it has taken me whatever it is, eight years to to figure out. Yeah, I think and like
0: look similar to what you described as the the learning curve of an Irish player going to into the the AFL. there had been a sharp learning curve. Like our lived and life experiences all happen at different rates and at different paces as well. And so I'm sure someone when you even when you joined the AFL, I'm sure someone might have handed you a brochure or if it's a GPA back home of <clears throat> excuse me the importance of you know sport life balance and you need like whatever. But actually, just learning and living through that is is where the real learning happens. And for you to be able to, I suppose, reflect on that. Um, and identify that as ultimately like because what was happening was like th- it was actually diminishing your performances in terms of from what you're describing like when game time came even though you were doing all the work and even though you're doing all the training and actually flying and training when the time came for like optimum performance it sounds like there was almost a deterioration or you couldn't felt like you, sounds like you were struggling to get the best at yourself like in, in game time was it?
1: Yeah absolutely uh, and that's yeah, I do. I do look. I do look back on that. Uh, to be honest, um, like I have no doubt that I was good enough to play and good enough to play at that. Like I, was, I played at the highest standard for what it was five years or four years even. Um, so I, I had the ability. Like I had everything, but it was probably, I did get in my own head too much, um, and a lot. Of, I know a lot of people that are probably listening to this too will have went through that similar experience or are going through that experience at the minute. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. And
0: I think, like, what comes to mind as well is I think a lot of the time when some of Ireland's, like, young GA players, stars are heading off to Australia, like, we hear a lot of noise about, like, the talent drain. But I think I would also feel very comfortable to say here, like, you've come back and to play with Derry the last couple of years. And, it, like, even just based on our, our 20 minutes, whatever we've just talked about there, about that chapter of your life, kind of, like... It sounds like you've definitely come home a better, like a better athlete, a better person, um, like and have just far more experience to be able to then, I suppose, benefit your own game individually. But then also have no doubt, like you've been able to be more influential and kind of bring experience and bring like insight to your club and county dressing rooms. Like, would you feel confident enough to say that? Like, I have, I,
1: I, one hundred percent. Like, I've, I've said that. Uh, more than enough times, to be honest. Um, as you said, I've come back a better athlete and I've come back a better person. Like I've grown up, the life experiences I've, I've had, not only on field, but off the field over the last six, seven years um, has been amazing, to be honest. Um, and it has steered me in a... I'm, I'm, I am I'm. know I'm so lucky to have experienced that um, because there's not many people that get out, get out there. Like a lot of my friends are going out there at the minute probably just to live and just enjoy that experience but um yeah no I as i i know i i was so lucky to to get those 5 years out there
0: yeah so then like taking that chapter and to have five years like that which is like you know we said at the start like childhood dream to be a professional sports star to like to really commit to that lifestyle of pushing yourself and challenging yourself Connor and then I'm kind of half laughing as I say this but like you mentioned earlier the Instagram post of small fish in a big pond so I'm kind of curious as to in terms of we flip it back over and you're coming back into the idea of big fish in a in a small pond again Um. What was that transition like? How did you find that, like, in terms of actually then back in Ireland, moving home? And then, like, as you just talked about, huge lifestyle shift, both in terms of self-identity and then also having to piece multiple things together, I'm sure, to actually put, I suppose, put life together. Did you come home to a master plan or was it get home and figure it out? Like, what was the
1: kind of process at that point, Connor? She's not... I, I loved the transition home. Uh, absolutely loved it. Did you? Um, The first couple of months were difficult, to be honest, with COVID still happening. Um, mm. So I had spoken to Rory Gallagher just about that I was coming home. So I went straight back into the day. Team, two weeks after I was off the plane, played against Armagh, that we got beat. I think we got beat by two points up in Celtic Park it was during COVID. So there wasn't much of a crowd. And then went back to university, studied online. Um, So I guess... I did enjoy the first six months at, until kind of COVID got uh, left because all I did was really play Call of Duty and <laughs> do university <laughs> and train to be honest, <laughs> which I didn't mind. But um, I, I loved I loved being back with my community. I loved being back with my family. Um, Love going down to the to Glen Pitch, which is just around the corner for me. Like just all these sort of childhood experiences again to better than myself. Um, hey. I guess. I went back to being away from the sport, playing at a very high level, to going back to my teenage years of doing extras, doing extra hand pass, doing extra kicking, doing all the simple things, which I absolutely loved doing, like, it was it was funny, like, I was when I came home, I literally hand passed the ball off the wall, kicked it off the wall from five metres away, like, as simple as that, and I would do it for 20 minutes just because I absolutely loved it. Um. So I'd imagine I'd look pretty stupid, a, a grown man playing hand pass up against a wall like, but that's, that's that's what I wanted to do and I wanted to get better and I wanted to to increase my trajectory and where I wanted to go in Gaelic because I'd never played it senior level before and I knew I had to get there. Um, so it, as as you said, like I absolutely loved the first month's home and I didn't have a master plan, but all I knew I wanted to do was play for Derry. Yeah, and then like also
0: like added to that, like it sounds like there was a real sense of like you're getting to reconnect with a sport that you grew up loving, your community, like your family, like you're getting that. Um like that must have been such a enriching and like rewarding experience, probably in a very different way to maybe what we've talked about so far in the chat. And then I definitely like what did you know or did you expect to be back in a Derry jersey as quick as it was I know it was a strange time in the world but like to be off the plane and then to find yourself playing for Derry two weeks later did that take you by surprise was that planned like how did that like obviously like, going back to Derry was always part of your like in your head as part of what you wanted to do but did you expect it to be that quick
1: yeah, yeah I did I was on the phone to, to Gallagher when I was, I was walking through Sydney at the time I was just up in Sydney for a bit of a holiday before I came home and I remember walking through Bondi and I got this phone from Roy Galler. I was like right what's well what's happening and he's like what position do you want to play and I was like uh, probably midfield and he's like right what weight are you and I was like oh I'm around 89kg and he's like right right and you feel alright and I was like aye no worries and he's like ah, that's fine and then I hung up the phone and I was like right I think he wants me to play midfield so then as I said literally two weeks I had two training sessions under my belt and put me into the team um, so I did I did know that to be honest um, I had probably accomplished enough before I left to be able to do that yeah like I had played with a lot of the boys that were playing on that team through school football minors uh, I did also didn't get to play under 21s but I probably accomplished enough before I left to, to walk back into the team um, so yeah no I, I did think that it was going to happen that quick no, savage and like and I, yeah, obviously. Look, to be fair to yourself, there's the there's the
0: body of work you did before you left. But then, like, it wasn't like you were off traveling South America for four years or whatever. You know exactly, what I mean? Yeah. Like, you were obviously in shape and probably in better shape than you like in better shape than when you left and stuff. So so that's deadly that's kind of part of the plan but then I definitely wanted to know what was it like what were you feeling and thinking when you did get to actually pull on the jersey again and to be back home and to kind of have that like I even I remember from my own playing career of actually pulling the jersey over your head and feeling the fabric on your skin and seeing the crest and just like the colours and like even like, a, I recall that memory you almost get like triggered or you get a feeling of having done it. But like, what was it like for you to get that for like, I suppose, the first, but well, actually was the first time senior wise for you. I know you've worn the jersey before, but what was it like to do that then in terms
1: of your own? It was a sense of fulfillment, to be honest. Um, it felt weird. Like I hadn't worn, I shouldn't have I hadn't worn football gloves out there. So <laughs> to put on gloves again, <laughs> it, it, everything <laughs> just kind of felt weird. Um, and no, it was a sense of fulfillment, to be honest. Yes, I, I, I thought we were going to beat our man, go through to, there's going to be a like an unbelievable story, come off the plane two weeks later, man-of-the-match performance. Yes, this went all through that sort of thing, but it didn't happen that way. As I said, every, everybody's journey is different. Um, but that was probably the best thing for me, was us going out early, and then I've stayed in that pre-season with Derry. Like we, didn't, we took a week off or two weeks off. After losing that game, and then I just, I just put in a serious amount of work. All of us did, uh, and that and, and that obviously showed now the last couple of years with the success. But that was probably the best thing for us was COVID happening in terms of everything kind of shutting down as like a reset button for everyone. So then once it opened up, that's that was us. We were ready to attack. So that was probably the best thing for me to be honest. And like, I know around that window, Connor, and I think you
0: did an interview when you came back or certainly one since then that and said Derry wasn't necessarily like in the greatest place when initially it came home. And like, were you in your head, like, and obviously coming from the place that you're coming from and the experience that you had, like, were you coming home with the intention or certainly the hope of trying to be a transformational figure and trying to be someone who can help the ship go faster and drive this thing forward to get back to the places maybe you felt that it
1: should be at or needed to be at? I wouldn't think it, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I, I wanted to be a part of it one hundred percent. And I knew that me being there would only help it. I wouldn't say that yes, just because I came like home had changed everything. Like that that is not the case. I knew in the back of my mind that we had the players in Derry. Like we were successful through pretty much the whole of underage growing up, under twenties as well. Um so I knew the players were always in Derry, but it was it was the management that probably steered the ship got our house in order um and me probably having that professional sort of mindset too leading from the front in terms of the standards um was was probably a a key part of it as well um so I would say that I I definitely didn't change everything like if I wasn't there like Derry Poi Day would have won Ulster like if I wasn't a part of it but um I was just glad to be a part of kind of all the boys that i grew up with playing and helping them perform and helping them get better and them helping me get better to a certain degree as well.
0: Yeah, I know. And like, I wasn't like, I wasn't suggesting that you came home on a horse with a, with a, and like a knight in shining armor now and <laughs> rode into the camp. But um, like, I think it's fair to say like your performances over the years and obviously the experience that you bring, like any dressing room in Ireland would love to have someone from their county coming home with the experience you have that can help. Cause it, it, it helps. Um, and one of the things I was thinking about there is like when you're playing, so you find yourself playing for a county that ultimately, I don't know, Derry hadn't won Ulster since 98, was it? 98? I think so, yeah. Um, And like obviously, like even again, my own experience with Calvin have been around like, you know, and like windows go on and it's like, right, so you've touched upon it there, got to get organized, um, got to raise standards of preparation. And then I suppose my question for you is, and I'm sure listeners would love to know this, like how do like... And again, I I say this, so I'm gonna half answer it before I do, but like not that there's a secret sauce here, but how do you make a group or people really starting to believe again that you can break that glass seal and that, okay, there's been twenty years of not like of not winning or not having success or whatever it is, 25 years. But how do you how do you go about building and certainly instilling that sense of belief that we can do this
1: again? Yeah, it's it's the it's the bond and the brotherhood we have within that team. Um once a team is mad to achieve the one goal, like you'll get there. Um if they have the work the right work ethic within that team, like there's no doubt. Like we were the hardest working team for those two years. I have no doubt about that. I know other counties and other teams would say that they're the hardest working team, but I have no shadow of doubt, like we worked harder than everyone. Um and we had this one focus just to get better. Everybody on that we had a small panel of players, like we only had we had less than thirty players on the team. Um on any given like night. On the whole squad. The whole squad. Yeah. Um, up and on bag, training snow, ice, rain, sun. Like, we trained
0: as hard as anybody.
1: Um, so, as simple as that is, if you have a group of players and management trying to strive towards this one goal and they're just completely fixated on that goal, then you're going to achieve it. Like, yes, you need to have certain talent. Like, all other counties are just as talented if not more talented, but if they don't have the work ethic. I'm sounding like a manager here, but like, it's it's true. Like If you don't have that work ethic um, and that focus to to achieve that, then you're not going to achieve it. And that's, as I said, we had that pre-season after Armagh up in Celtic Park to having 100 people watching the game, to having whatever it was at Clonus, 20, 30,000, or even 60,000, 70,000 in, in Croke Park. Um, so we knew we wanted to get there and we were, we were going to do anything to do it yeah that's an interesting one you said to me
0: regarding like say the size of the squad Connor I definitely want to dig in just to ask you about it because like I suppose we'd see or you know you'd read in the media or whatever or like panel sizes and squad sizes and some like oh we need to have whatever I'll say 40 or 42 because we need to be able to play in-house games 15 on 15 and there's always a couple injured Yeah, you know where I'm kind of getting like what I'm, what I'm getting yeah. at um, so it sounds like you did that differently, and you kind of got the troops in into the trenches, and was like this is who we have, and this is what we're going with. So you kind of, like, you guys kind of did it differently than maybe how the norm would suggest,
1: or what's kind of what's certainly what I would hear when you're chit-chatting to different people. Yeah, we didn't play one in-house game. We haven't played one in-house game. Um, that was due, to, probably due to numbers, but we didn't want to. Be- See, when it's 15 v 15, it can be very hard to manage and very hard to focus on what you want to do. But you can practice every situation within a game in small groups. So we're able to split up turnovers into 7v7s, kickouts, 6v6. Um, going breaking into the defence, um, Like you're going to have 10v10 maybe inside your own 45, that sort of thing. So what we what Geller did really it was his idea obviously we had players didn't have said we just worked hard and (laughs) tried to listen to him but (laughs) it was breaking those situations within a game into smaller games um, and doing those at higher intensities whereas in a 15v15 game you're not going to have those like you're going to have a burst of play but then you might have maybe a minute or two of real nothing or kind of just jogging about whereas we were 110% intensity in these small games take a minute break and then you're you hiding again and once you're 3v3 there's nowhere to hide um, whereas in a 15-3-15 you can hide to a certain degree so that was one thing that benefited us um, like the likes of Paul Cassidy and Ethan Doherty trying to mark them in a 3v3 in a small square like if you can do that in there you're going to be able to mark anybody to be honest in Ireland so mm-hmm. it was putting ourselves in Awkward positions in training to, to to make yourselves better.
0: Yeah, and like obviously like as well like being like much more like it sounds like much more like intentional, strategic, specific with the practice as you said, Rotorua. And listen, we've all we'd be lying if we like we've all spent trainings. We're fifteen on fifteen, and all of like you know the cornerbacks chatting to the corner forward, or the keepers talking to the fullback as the ball's down the other end. Like, um, so it's you're trying to push yourself and like higher intensity situations. So then obviously when you go to play 15 on 15, you're yep. almost like... You have more space. into you that Yeah, All yeah. that sort of really thing. Really interesting. And that, look, for you guys, like, it, it clearly worked because that journey that you go on, you make that breakthrough all success and then like you back it up to go back-to-back must have been special. And for you to be the captain of the team and lift the trophy when you go back-to-back, like even just filling in that gap from coming back from Australia to back-to-back Ulster titles, listening as captain, I mean, that must be even, like, when you're getting off the plane, coming home, if someone had offered you that there to sign on the dotted line, I'm sure you would have grabbed it,
1: right? Yeah, 100%. Um, it's going to sound cocky or confident, like, but I knew that I was, I was always going to get there, that um, I think it was going to happen two years. Absolutely not um, to be the captain of the team because we do have so many leaders within the team. Uh, the last year Chrissy McKay's who has been there and done that for the last ten, fifteen years. Yeah, Rodgers Shea McGuigan Um you have all these sort of I'm, I'm naming all the slack new players as a Glenn man here. <laughs> um, but <laughs> you're trying to soften them up. <laughs> that's it. Uh, I I didn't expect it to be honest that quick. Um but walking mm. up those steps in clonus like I, I knew I was always going to get there and to achieve that last year was yeah, unbelievable. Um To have my family around as well um I was more I was more fulfillment for them probably than it was me to be honest um they had let well I had left them to to go to the other side of the world but to have me back home representing the county um yeah it was a proud moment for them yeah like it I mean it must have been so special to have that
0: like and again it's one of the kind of It's one of the most unique things about the GA of like, obviously, so Australia is high performance and professional and business and like, absolutely like, it's an extreme achievement in one way, but then GA is much more grounded in like community and connection and people around you and identity. And I can only imagine that kind of, the emotion of, of, of experiencing that, um, and I mean, that. ultimately, that was one of the things, the idea of that, like, of community, of connection. It's one of the things that did help, like, lure you back home instead of doubling down and maybe committing to go play with another Australian team or wait on a contract. That was one of the big draws or pulls that maybe accelerated the decision to come back, was it? That is, that's just, just what the GA is all
1: about, to be honest. And, um, like, it's it's hard to describe to an Australian or an American or to be honest, any other nationality of what the GEA is all about. Um, like Irish people leave Ireland to get away from Ireland, but the first thing they do is go to an Irish pub to connect with more Irish people and chat about GEA. Like that's our personalities. Um, so as you said, yes, I was a massive figure to or factor for me coming home. Yes. I wanted my AFL career to go on 10, 15 years and become a household name in the AFL, but it wasn't the case. Um, but would I take an AFL Premiership over uh, an All Ireland? No. Like, I want to win All Ireland. Like, that's what I've wanted to do since as a young kid. Um, So, to be in that sort of sense of community back with my family, back with the lads that I grew up with throughout school, like going through the trenches with uh, in Macquarie Cup football, like that's, that's where I wanted to be. And that was a factor for me coming home.
0: And I know that it's kind of a, a perfect transition to what I was going to ask you anyway, but like you've now been knocking on the door for the last two years. Derry lost to Kerry lost to Galway, I think in the two semi semi-finals. So you're not, you're knocking on the door and you're kind of, look, you're back in the right ballpark. Let's call it spade a spade. But I suppose, do you believe and do you think that Derry are good enough to kick through that glass ceiling or kick through that door and go all the way and win that iron, like you're talking about?
1: Absolutely. Um, I'd imagine if you asked any player within 10 counties in Ireland they would say the same thing mm. if I didn't if I said no there like why am I even playing yeah what do you um, ask so I do have that confidence in that we'll that we'll get there um, will it be next year who knows will it be next 10 years hopefully <laughs> but like it's such high performance uh, when it comes to those se- quarter, quarterfinals semifinals finals like any team can beat each other any given day. Yeah, small um, margins. So it's small margins. Yeah, one hundred percent. But it's it's getting there and it's getting back to the that stage, um, and that's where you want to get to. What what do you think has been missing, or
0: what do you think you guys need to do to kind of to go to that next level as a team, as a group, and those kind of? High pressure moments or those, as you said, like those games are can be swung on a on one play or on one thing. Like, is is there anything that comes to mind that you guys need to, need to do or to like add to your like arsenal in terms of trying to get that done? I would I would just say experience
1: to be honest. Mm. Like we've been playing Division Four football, Division Three football, Division Two. So this year we'll be playing against the best Division One football. So we'll be playing against better opposition. So we're only get, going to get ble- uh, better attacking and defending. So. Playing against the best every year um, is only going to improve our performances. Um, should, we have probably be, should we have beat Kerry? Yes. But like we played all the football until the 65th minute. But the last seven minutes of the game are where the game's winning and lost. And they've been there and done that before. So it's getting back to those sort of moments where, right, I've been here before. Like I know what to do here now. Um, so it's yeah those experiences um, it's what's gonna I guess get us over the line and we can really do that from from getting back there For sure like
0: I think even like what you guys have like going back to the the learning curve you talked about earlier like they already have done that kind of like that steep curve that climb in a quite a quick window and are probably at that point now as you talk about the more incremental and putting basic like extra layers onto it or kind of taking steps forward and playing Division 1 or Sharpen the Blade every week kind of should all be things that would help. And then obviously in terms of experience, the in terms of Mickey Hart coming in, where were you? Very experienced manager, someone who's been around the blog many times. Where were you? What were you doing when you found out he was going to be the new manager? And did you think it was a, an April Fool's or a joke or kind of what was it?
1: Did it catch people by surprise? I was on a weekend away with my girlfriend uh, in Calvin trying to get away from football. Beautiful got, part of the world. <laughs> I, I found out on Twitter and I was like, oh my god. So um, I didn't get away from football at all, to be honest. Um wasn't expecting it, but unbelievable appointment for us. Like talk about someone who's been there and done that before. Um we needed someone who's been to the point at the end of the season and knows how to get across the line. Um and Mickey's done that. Um so now I'm really looking forward to the next obviously I'm with Glenn at the minute, but I'm really looking forward to this this next journey with with the management um, and getting to know them and seeing and see them how they operate because we want to perform. We want to win the ireland I'm sure they're the, in the exact same boat. Yes, it's maybe with the rival county in Derry, but that adds for a bit of entertainment for the fans as well.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely, I know that's going to, you know, the cap will switch over in the next couple of, in the next couple of weeks or months. And I do kind of want to also like talking about like Derry successes and the highs, like obviously like, Within the time you've been home too, there's been like disappointing defeats, and we've talked about like City all our in semi-finals, and obviously with Glenn earlier this year it was a whole different whirlwind of emotions and an experience. Um, I suppose where are you at mentally, kind of uh, towards like you're so basically you're still in game mode with Glenn, right? You're still like pushing pushing with those. Um, I was just kind of curious, have you ever, like have you had time off downtime since you go back? Because it's kind of got sounds like it's gone dairy.
1: Derry Glenn, Derry Glenn kind of kinda it Um I got a bit of time off there after the defeat to Kerry. Uh Malik York he knew he's been there he's been around the block enough to to know when a player needs a rest. And I took five weeks off, five, six weeks off, um, to kind of build up yes, to recharge the batteries a bit, but find the the want to come back to play football again to find that enjoyment. Um but the more I speak about like I have less time off now than a professional footballer does. Like I had more time off playing professional football than I do playing amateur sport here. Like in terms of clear off season clear and off downtime. Clear off season, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the split season works in my eyes. Like, yes, it might be tough for teams that are successful in both club and county because they're obviously being the ones that drag, drag that. But the majority does work. And then it's up to the managers of those successful counties to to manage the players, which I've I felt like I've done. Like talk about separating on field and football to finding hobbies elsewhere. Um I know we'll touch on it a bit, but with the university, with the business, with everything else outside of football, like I feel like I'm managing that really well. And that's came down to my experiences of being so fixated on performance and outcome. To Yes, I didn't get the outcome here, but life moves on. Like I have similar things going on in my life. Yeah, and that kind of, that sense of balance and then I
0: suppose perspective on the disappointments because, you know, another season comes around or another campaign comes around and you kind of get to commit to a process again, which you love. And as I said, I definitely wanted to, segue out and I'm conscious of, look, talked about the AFL experience, Connor, talked about the dairy journey, just touched upon the club there, the experience that you've had. Um, and yeah, I also really want to touch upon life outside that. Like when you come home from Australia, you mentioned it earlier, you kind of jump back in to university first and foremost. um And then that I read as well, you, you mentioned the business there, that's your own cafe and like at home as well that you're running. So are you juggling owning a cafe being a cafe owner and studies at the moment is that like your life outside of the
1: sport part of it that's it yep um yeah so I'm in full time final year of accounting in Ulster University so I started back when I first came off the plane to go back to Jordanstown um something I've always wanted to do to be honest it's the only bragging rights my father has over me is he is a serious medal and I don't so it's always something I've wanted to get so that's I've always wanted to play for Jordanstown um but yeah, as you said, managing it at the minute it's it's tough. Um, finding the energy for the cafe, the cafes, sort of like hospitality. So it's anyone who's worked in hospitality, it's like it's tough work. Um, but it's, it's me and my partner, my girlfriend, are in the in the business together. So she's holding down the fort while I'm at university now, which is which is amazing because if I didn't have her, um, like the cafe wouldn't be able to run to be honest. Like, we have unbelievable staff at the minute, um, but we do, she needs to be there as well. Like, we need to have that sort of... On the ground. On the ground as well. Um, But that's one thing I've been lucky with with the staff is that if I have to train or I have to play a match at the weekend, like, they're able to cover the cafe as well. So, to answer your question, I have a lot going on, but yeah. I feel like I'm man- managing it well at the minute, but I'm well aware that if it comes too much, I'll have to step back to a certain degree with one of them um, because it does like it does become quite hard to juggle
0: yeah like, uh, talk to me a little bit about I suppose like the cafe side of it, Connor. Like where did the motivation for that come from? What kind of cafe is it? Like what made you want to have that as like say you're busy there and we all have different pillars in our lives and sport, college, our partners, our family? What made you kind of want to have that as part of your life ultimately and to have something like that that requires time and energy and attention? Um so yeah, anyway, just tell us a little bit kind of about that entrepreneur side and why you went
1: down that path. Yeah. I think it's always been a state with me growing up. Like, I always wanted to own my own business. Um, like, when I was younger, I would set up, own, <laughs> so was, I set up my own car wash in my dad's driveway and put it on the side of the road send car wash for five pounds, like, and we got, got a few cars. So I always had that entrepreneurship within me. And I knew that I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what. Like, a lot of people probably know what they want to do, but I knew I wanted to play football and that opportunity arose, so I played football. Um, but it wasn't until I got to Oz and experienced coffee and cafes and sort of their coffee culture. Like, the sense of community a cafe brings, like, it's unbelievable. Like, every neighbourhood out there has a cafe and it's always ram-packed. Like, it's always, I guess, it's the focal point of a community. So I wanted to bring that, I guess, to to Maharaj because we didn't really have a specialty place you would have to travel to Belfast or elsewhere to get there. So I was just, yeah, one night in bed thinking about, right, I want to open a cafe here. um, And I just, I just jumped upon that. Like I had written a business plan in Oz for my cafe in Mahara um, before I even came home. Like I had probably written it in 2018 or 2019. So I always had that at the back of my mind oh, but that's I, really nice I never yeah. had the time I was finding the right opportunity to do it and then yeah just one night when I was lying in bed here I was like right I want to I want go for it here if I keep pushing it back I probably won't do it so I was just taking that jump and I was like right I'll, I'll go for it here Oh good for you like I think like a team throughout
0: the conversation Connor has been that sense of you know experience and perspective and I think when you leave sometimes get out of your own culture or your own bubble like um, like in Ireland a lot of the time that environment you're talking about like resorts back to like a pub or a bar in the town and that's absolutely fine like that's a place people can go for that sense of connection but I think a cafe can offer a kind of similar and a different way at a different time of the day because um, it sounds like you one of the things you wanted to basically like, yes, there's coffee and it's a cafe, but also it sounds like part of that is be able to provide a space for people to to check in, to be around. And also I don't think it's a coincidence that it's part of your community, you know, that it's not in a street in Belfast or it's not in a street in, in Dublin or whatever, that you kind of wanted it to be and to be able to, I suppose, maybe even be a community leader in a different way, you know, and actually be able to like, I suppose, A, give back,
1: but also then be be part of it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um... I guess it wasn't necessarily at the start that I, I thought that way in terms of it's me giving back to the community because I didn't know how it was gonna go. <laughs> like I had expected to have a couple of copies yeah. and a few friends come in and have a chat, but like the place <laughs> is jammed with children, it's jammed with like people from all walks of life. So it's, it's only the last, last I guess two after the first two months of opening was right, this is actually a, a fantastic place for the community to come and the experience because I know in myself I'm not sure if you're the same but if I go to maybe Galway or Kerry the first place I look for is a cafe or kind of that yeah. sort of way and I know people are the same so it's providing that service too for people to, to come to Mahara and to have that service for them Yeah it's def- I think it's definitely been
0: an evolution of our own culture like on the island of Ireland I know like if I'm in New York there's coffee that kind of scene is very prevalent and I think you, I've, we've seen a lot of like even GA players I know in the last year too you know doing the pop-up trucks for example or kind of getting involved in that and I do think it's kind of I think there's kind of um uh, like a similarity there in terms of like connection and the community and yes of course it's a business and you need to make money and you need it to like have income and like you need to work and there's a risk with all that as well um, but I think even just an Irish culture perspective it's nice to have that second layer of a place um, that's not necessarily always directly revolving around a pint or the pub and if we have both of those working in tandem I think like our communities are ultimately better and stronger for that you know Yeah.
1: yeah no it's been good and like we hold like dairy days or like if it's coming up to a big game like the colours and the children run about the cafe is unbelievable um like a lot of the time I, I have to step away from the coffee machine to get a picture with a young child who wants he has a dairy top and that sort of thing which is unbelievable and yeah. I have so much time for for those sort of people because I think it was Rio Ferdinand stated like it might be that child's first experience of like of myself so it's Yes, it might be the hundredth pitcher I've been taken this week, but it might be that child's first experience. So it's given that time to to those children, and um, if I can do that and put them in a better place for when their time comes to to play for Derry, then I'll, I'll I'll do that. Yeah, like I
0: I think that's probably the the perfect note to end on, Conor. You know, like we've talked about sport and life on and off the field, and in terms of that legacy and like what you're driving towards and what drives you. And I suppose we kind of, we do this interview towards the tail end of the year and I know we've kind of, we have looked back a lot. Like what's kind of, what's your hopes heading into 2024 in terms of you as a person or as an athlete, kind of where's your headspace at and kind of what do you think in regards to like the, not necessarily the next
1: chapter, but certainly the the chapter ahead, you know? Yeah. um, I'm very laid back in terms of what, what the outlook sort of is for me, like I'll happily enjoy the present um, and not to think too far ahead. Um, as cliche as that sounds, like I, I'm just loving playing from a club. Like it's so, it's so easy going, so easy to be in a part of the community. Yes, football and Gaelic football and county probably is more driven around outcome and success. But I'm just loving being a part of the community and I'm being a role model for the community. Um, and I was one thing. I think it was even the All Blacks said this, but leaving the jersey in a better position from when you first received it. And I, I've tried to instill that in a few boys at club level and at county level. So, um, like making hay when the sun shines. Like, like my time here is not always because it's not. It's it's going to come very quick. Professional football and football happens very quick. Um, and I probably only have an or ten years in me. Like so. Yeah, it's just enjoying every every part of it I can. If it involves success, happy days. If it doesn't, I'll, I'll find my love and uh, success elsewhere. Connor,
0: thanks so much for joining us on the Players' Voice. Thank you so much for your honesty, your insight and perspective and lastly just best of luck whatever you're going for it's a real pleasure to catch up um, and I know people listening will, will take multiple things from this conversation I just want you to know I really appreciate it and it was great to be able to chat with you um, and to just hear your story hear your journey and just there's so much in that and I really appreciate it so thanks a million yeah absolutely pleasure thanks very much players voice podcast is brought to you by the gaelic players association in collaboration with real talks to listen to previous episodes with the likes of niall morgan lauren mcgee mary hill grain or neil mcmanus make sure to subscribe by searching the player's voice on whichever podcast platform you prefer don't forget you can find out more about the gpa's bo360 program by visiting bo360.gaelicplayers.com and finally if you want to find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing being consultant, you can go to www.realtalks.ie. Thanks
1: for listening.